The following is a Raygun armed, faster than light presentation of GalacticNetcasts.com. Alright, welcome to the Time Traveling Robots in Space podcast episode 20, the big 2-0, Paul. How about that? Ooh, 20. It's like, it's like more than 10. That's amazing. And one more episode will be Drinking Age. So yay. Sweet. Then I've been breaking the law for like 20 episodes now. I apologize. No, the, the podcast will be Drinking Age, not you. Oh, got it. All right. Anyways, uh, this is the podcast where we talk about time travel, robots, and space. It is Tuesday. No, it's Wednesday, February 1st, 2012. Mm. From Wausau, Wisconsin, I am the Interdave. And from Glendale, California, that there is Mr. Paul Swickard. How are you, Paul? I do well. I do very well. You know, sorry, I had bailed yesterday. I was not feeling at my best. But today, I'm still not feeling at my best, but I'm faking it. So there you go. You're a trooper. You're, you're taking one for the team, and I appreciate that. It's all good. It is all good. So, all right. yeah, I heard you got, like, a sponsor. You, like, you sponsored. You're pimping us out. Yeah. Um, I bought a sponsorship on the morning stream. That is Scott Johnson's Frog Pants Network, which you do uh, some uh, freelance work for. You, uh, you do some uh, show prep, some research for App Slappy, right? Is that how it goes? That is, that is quite true. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I enjoy that. Though it sounds like he didn't quite make the connection. No, I wrote the Did co- you get my name right? I got your name right, but I made Good. you as co-host of the Alien Invasion podcast, not the Time Traveling Robots in Space podcast. So it's my fault. I apologize for that. But uh, it, it seemed like they had some fun with it. It was a lot of copy, and Scott said something like, oh, wow, that's a lot of copy. And then they made fun of the whole netcast thing, relating it to Leo Laporte's uh, Twit network. So all's good. I see. All right. Okay. Um, for our Spreecast viewers, thank you for joining us today. Um, and if you're not familiar with Spreecast, it's a great way to um, do shows like us. Anybody can actually do shows like us. You can um, have Two people on camera. You can have three people people on camera or four people on camera all at, the, all at the same time. It's really, really fun. So check it out, Spreecast.com. And if you're new to the time-traveling robots in space, we, what we do is um, break it down uh, subject by subject. We do uh, two stories on each, you know, the time-traveling, the robots, and the space. And then we do our recommendations and the question of the week. So let's get the show on the road. Sector 1. And I've got the first story for the week from Blaster.com, the time-traveling show Alcatraz on Fox. Have you seen it, Paul? I haven't seen it yet. It is on my list. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Anyways. You think uh, it's holding up so far? (laughs) Yeah, I like it so far. And uh, it's based around the real island of Alcatraz, and it tells the fictional tale of more than 300 inmates and guards who disappeared in 1963, and it's apparently causing a bit of confusion among some fans. Since the series began, the the National Park has reported issues with people sneaking away from guided tours to look for the secret rooms featured on the show. 
After some were caught by employees, Parks Representative Alexander or Alexandria, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, so we'll just leave it at that, told TMZ that several of the wanderers admitted they were looking for the high-tech control room that serves as the base of operations for Hauser's team tasked at finding the 63s. That's the people that disappeared from Alcatraz in 1963. Fans have become so much of an issue that the Parks Department has been forced to post signs informing visitors that some of the sites shown on the program are not real. For example, this message now greets visitors to the tourist trap. The TV show Alcatraz is fictional. Many areas it depicts are not real. Closed areas protect you, historic structures and nesting birds. So there you go. Um, So, wow. A a, a show on TV is fictional and not real? No. I I gotta tell you, man, I don't think telling the people up front that the story is fictional is going to stop them from trying to see if there are secret high-tech rooms in Alcatraz. No. Do we, uh, whatever. This is this is so stupid. People get it in their head. <laughs> Why? I don't. I don't even think necessarily they think it is real. I think they're just trying to see if they're like how much. Okay, it's obviously fictional. How much of it is fictional? Yeah. You know. Are they going to find some room hidden away somewhere? They tried to base this whole thing around, you know. This is, I yeah, I don't think, like I said, I don't think that them telling people that the story is fictional is going to change anything. No, it's not going to help. I don't think the I don't think the knowledge of that is going to be the the issue here. No, people will be people. People are curious. They want to know, and they'll look no matter what. So yeah, it's just a funny story that. People are so gullible that they – because you know there's a certain percentage of people that actually think that those rooms are real and this is actually happening and they want to find out. So it's that it's that small percentage of people that actually think it's real that scare the hell out of me. <laughs> uh, me too. No, no doubt. I – yeah. I, I – <laughs> Yeah, I have no words. Okay. I apologize. Well, <laughs> no, it's, it's, so, no, it's okay. And I just wanted to wrap this story up by saying on a slight spoilery note, on this week's episode, there was a direct reference to time travel, and some interesting new aspects to the show were introduced on this week's episode. So if you are a fan of mm. Alcatraz, you've probably seen it, but you're, if you're not yet, if you, if you haven't seen this week's episode, go watch it now. It's available on Ooh. Hulu. So, Paul... Time travel. What you got for us? All right. I should preface this because if I don't, people are going to be mad at me. For all of you Star Wars nerds, what I'm about to say might spoil some things for the upcoming television show codenamed Star Wars Underworld. I am just saying this very clearly and very slowly because I don't want people to say, how come you didn't warn us? Having said all that, okay, Dave, do you want to know what's going on? Yeah, no, I'm do curious. You want to know? I want to know as much as I can yeah. about this new TV show because I'm excited about it. I know it's not going to happen for a while, but I'm still, I still want to know. So lay sure. it on me, Paul. So first off, you might be asking yourself, okay, what does time travel have to do with Star Wars? That is a good question. For the most part, time travel doesn't really exist in Star Wars. So 
what could be happening. No, uh, essentially, one of the folks at uh, Ain't It Cool News has seen one of the series' first episodes as it exists now, which I'm sure will be, you know, ripped up and rebuilt and changed and all that good stuff. Time out. Time out. Time out. God. They have shows. They have episodes filmed. They have footage already filmed for the show. It is not clear to me whether this was a script or where this was scenes. I have to assume that this was a script. Okay. Fair enough. All right, because but because the way you presented it, it made it sound like they already have stuff filmed. That's uh, that's all I'm saying. All right. Yeah, that is not true. Okay. My bad if I laid that on there. Right. I, I it, it again, not totally clear, but yeah. You had given me freak- the state of the things. You had me freaked gotta, out. You, I've got to think. You had me freaked yeah. out there for a second, Paul. But go ahead, continue on with the story. I've got to think. This is a script. But anyway, anyway, the whole premise of the story seems to be that a group of folks is going to try to find the cap- they're going the whole idea is is that they're going to have the capability of time travel the group of bandits actually and are going to use this time travel technology to go and stop Darth Vader from ever existing that is the premise yeah i i see i've blown your mind <laughs> yes you have so yeah, this is a. It, there, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, time travel isn't really in the canon of films or even television shows, for that matter. And two, it's all immediately. It already kind of has a bit of a darker feel to it. You're talking about a group of. It, it doesn't clarify what the group of bandits are doing or why they're doing what they're doing, but it only refers to them as bandits. And you've got to think okay, how does one stop Darth Vader from ever existing? I don't know. Kill the mother? Uh, <laughs> I know, you know, any number of things. So I, it already has kind of a different a segue, a different feel to it altogether. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I got to say, I wasn't really into this whole Star Wars as a television th- show thing because I didn't think anybody could, like, get it done. But at least in principle, on the premise alone... I would watch this show. If I if they made this show as it exists right now, I would definitely watch it. I'm so excited. I want to see it now. <laughs> no, this this plot, this possible plot point is so exciting. Because yeah. okay, it introduces a new element into the Star Wars universe that may have been there all along and we didn't know it. And two, they're referring mm-hmm. directly to the original uh trill not trilogy, but the original six films. So you got Two cool, yep. two really cool aspects about it, and oh man, that makes me really excited. <laughs> I want it now. I'm glad. I'm glad. I will let them. I will let Hollywood know. <laughs> hey, you're you're they're right next door to where you live. Walk on over. They I'll, are. Go tell them right I, now. Totally. Yes. I'm sure they'll listen. <laughs> no, wait a second. Lucas <laughs> Ranch. That, I think about Star Wars. Lucas Ranch. That's in Northern California, right? Uh, yeah, I've. Uh, I have not been there. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. No, that's totally awesome, man. That's That makes me really excited. I was about this story. Anything more? You want to, is there anything more? No. Oh, damn it. Nope. At this point, that is the story, is that you have this whole idea, you know, criminal factions and a group of guys going back to try and stop Darth Vader from ever existing. That's the deal. All right. Cross your fingers. Let's hope that series gets in into production very soon. All right, before we continue, 
you should know that we have a myriad of ways to contact us and leave us feedback. Do you want to know what the, the different ways are? I would love to know. Okay. Well, we've got an email address, galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. Email, that's short for electronic mail, Paul. Ooh. Yeah. Is that on the, did you find that on the Google? <laughs> yeah. I found that on the internets, on the interwebs, the intertubes. All right. Um, <laughs> we also have voicemail. That number is 805 328 3966. Or you can leave a comment on the episode page at galacticnetcast.com. Now, I, I give you all these different sources for a reason because if there's anything good about this show that you want to tell us about, feel free. Tell us in these different ways. Or if there's anything negative or if we got anything wrong, if, if I say something wrong or Paul says something wrong or we have the wrong information, we would love to know it. So again, 805-328-3966, galacticnetcasts at gmail.com or leave a comment on the episode page at galacticnetcasts.com. Let's move on. All right, from Variety, Sony Pictures Worldwide and Samuel Goldwyn have acquired the rights to Robot and Frank, a film set in the near future about an elderly ex-jewel thief and his new caretaker robot. Reports have the two... romantic comedy? What's that? I... Sorry, I hear the title Robot and Frank. That sounds eerily like a romantic comedy. It, it does sound like a romantic comedy. It's more of a comedy without the romance. And there's some, seri- okay, there's some seriousness to it, too, as well. I mean, as far as I know. Um, reports have the two parties paying over $2 million for the North American rights to distribute the movie. A favorite at Sundance, which is going on right now at the Sundance Film Festival. In Robot and Frank, Frank... Langella? Is that how you say it? Or Langella? I think it's Langella. Okay, Langella. Frank Langella plays a retired jewel thief who is beginning to show signs of diminishing mental and cognitive ability. Worried, his son, played by James Marsden, buys him a top-of-the-line robot to help his father around the house and to monitor his health. At first, Frank is resentful of the robot, but soon realizes that the robot can come in handy uh, to help him get back to his criminal escapades and help him woo the local librarian, played by Susan Sarandon. Liv Tyler also appears in the movie as Frank's daughter. Robot and Frank was directed by first-time feature filmmaker Jake Schreier and written by Christopher D. Ford, who based the story on a student film of his that he wrote and directed. So, again, that is Robot and Frank. And we have a clip. Uh, we'll put a link to a clip that you can watch at galacticnetcast.com. It, from the clip that I, wa- I saw, it looked pretty good. Okay. Okay. And the clip, yeah, this is the first I'd heard of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is brand new. I mean, uh, not, a, n- not a whole lot has been said about this film because it is brand new. It's being shown at uh, Sundance this week. And uh, from mm. the footage I saw, it looks good. I have to warn you, though, that uh, the footage is slightly NSFW. Gotcha. Okay then. For language, so if you're if you're sensitive <laughs> to the bad language, then just be warned that there's some of that in the clip for Robot and Frank. So, all right, you've been warned. All right, so Paul, 
Robots, what's yes, your sir. story? Uh, our creepy story of the week. <laughs> uh, how to describe this? Um, okay, Let, Dave, let's pretend that you are in a long-distance relationship with somebody. One of the ways that somebody would want to keep in, in to feel closer to your significant other, would any of part of that come to mind the idea of kissing something that looks like a pig? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> okay. Why do just, you uh, Why do you ask I was Paul? hoping that was I was hoping that wasn't just me. No, uh, uh, apparently, again, how to describe this? A Singaporean researcher has developed a robotic device in the shape of a pig that can emulate and transmit a kiss, adding an extra special level of intimacy into a long-distance relationship. Okay. So what it looks like, it looks like a piggy bank that you kiss – that somehow, even though it, it's not actually explained and what it's actually doing, is transmitted across, you know, however, you know, across many, many, you know, many, many states or whatever to give to the other person. Okay. That is the, that is the deal. Okay. So in all of this, like in the actual article that I've referenced here, there's no actual like saying of what it's doing. Like there's no like – it like even if you watch the clip, you're still unclear. It literally looks like there's two people kissing a pig. Okay. And it's supposed to be doing something. All right. Like so, you'd think, I don't know, maybe it's trying to make a sound that the person was making. It was trying to like like form in the shape of the other person's lips. Uh just something. <laughs> I want to know what's going on here. But I, I still don't understand what it is that this thing is trying to do other than two people kissing pigs. Well, I guess if if this was a major part of the long-distance relationship, relationship and it was the only way to show affection in a physical way, I'd be okay with it. I'd maybe have to close my eyes the first couple of times and pretend it was not the pig <laughs> doing the kissing. <laughs> And another another factor is if it's a very realistic kiss, then I might have less of a problem with it. I see. Okay. All right. Because yeah, and just for okay. No, continue. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, just in case for those of you who are curious, uh, from the movie that we will show, uh, there is no tongue involved. So as near as I can tell, these are mere pecks. Okay. Good. Well, you know that you're you're aware that there are sexual aids that people plug in to help in uh, the process of of uh, long distance relationships, right, Paul? Like, like there are other things that you can use that you can plug into the internet to kind of um, re not reenact, but uh, uh, duplicate, replicate the physical act of love over long distances, right? No, uh, tell me more. No, that's all I'm going to tell you because that's all I know about it. <laughs> so I'm just I'm trying to say is this is not a new thing, but I've never seen uh, I've never seen a pig involved in any of that. So that's something new. I <laughs> I don't know why you would want the pig part. I don't know why. Like, yeah, I I don't know what's going on here. Is the bottom line, but 
It is, in fact, a robot, and it is, in fact, supposed to transmit a kiss. So there you go. <laughs> Inertia in the chat room seems to know a lot about this. She says, <laughs> vibes and flesh lights, which I have no idea what a fleshlight is, but it sounds interesting. So maybe now she... we have to have the explicit tag. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Damn it. Inertia. <laughs> um, so it seems like she knows more about this than we do, but I don't want to know anything more. So let's, let's move on. Are you ready to move maybe on? Maybe that was it. Maybe, yeah, maybe I was too afraid to look more into this. Yes. Let's, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can continue talking about this specific thing if you want. No, no, it's kind of scared me, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, we're going to talk about space coming up, but first, if you want to know more about this episode and all the other stuff that we do on the Galactic Netcast Network, visit galacticnetcast.com. You can subscribe to this and our other podcasts there by clicking on the iTunes logo or by filling out the email form. Once you do that, you'll get an email anytime that we uh, update the episodes. Also, along the top menu are links to all kinds of things like our Google Plus page, our Facebook page, our Twitter account. So if you want to know, um, like this week we had a, a change of time and day. We normally stream this show Tuesdays at 9 Central, 7 Pacific on Spreecast. This week, Paul got ill, so we had to, re- we had to reschedule for tonight. So if you were following us on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, you would have known that. Make sense? I knew that. Well, I you totally. Yeah, because you you were the one involved in it. But if you're not one but, of those people involved, you can find out by following us on Google Plus, Facebook, Twitter, and just go to. Well, what I'm saying, man, is we use all of these wonderful tools to communicate. So you would have known had you been following us on the Twitter or on the Google Plus. Exactly. What you're saying? Uh huh. <laughs> GalacticNetCast.com. We've got all the links there to follow us on the social network. So let's continue here. All right, from Trek Movie, in honor of this year's 25th anniversary of the premiere of Star Trek The Next Generation, in April, the entire principal cast will reunite during the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo April 27th through the 29th. To date, the Calgary Expo is the only event in the world scheduled to host such a gathering in 2012. It is also the first time the entire original cast has appeared as a group at a convention in over two decades. Sir Patrick Stewart. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I I figured they'd be doing other stuff. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, no, they preface, they, they say at a convention. I'm sure that they've gotten together for other things, but this is the first time they've gotten together all as a group at a convention. In 20 years. Cool. So, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Franks, Brent Spiner, Marina Sirtis, uh, Denise Crosby, LeVar Burton, Gates, Gates McFadden, Michael Dorn, and Will Wheaton will take part in meeting fans for autographs, individual and group shots, and participating in specially group panels and discussions over the course of the weekend. The full cast will also take the stage for a special once-in-a-lifetime reunion event on the evening of Saturday, April 28th, at the Stampede Corral in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So again, in honor of the 25th anniversary of Star Trek The Next Generation, they are all getting together for a big gathering 
up there in Canada, eh? <laughs> Indeed. If, you know, Canada were an actually country, an actual country, I might actually go there. What? What? You're going to piss what? off our Canadian what? listeners, Paul, and they're going to they're going to unsubscribe to the podcast. Was oh, that true? Start a little flame war and then all of a sudden, no. I can't. I have no problem with Canada. So you're saying rip on Canada. So you're saying quite a bit actually. So you're saying Canada is not a proper country. Is that what you're saying? That's what I said. <laughs> but that's but you <laughs> don't mean. Saying, but you don't mean it. Uh no, not really. Okay, I don't. I don't have that much. I don't have that much hate on the Canada. Actually, I find most of the Canadians that I know pers- are pretty cool. Yeah. No. So there you go. They are. Okay. <laughs> is if you had the time. The money and the and and the want. Would you would you fly up to Alberta and check out this convention? Yes, yes, I would. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'd probably pick up the new Star Wars or excuse me, Star Trek Blu-ray, and I'd want to have them sign it. That's what I would do. Definitely. That was yeah. my first thought. Yep, me too. I'd be all into that, man. I'm um I'm hoping that I get the new Blu-ray. Uh uh uh. What's the word for it? Um. Uh, uh, collection the 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 four episodes on Blu-ray that were just released. I'm hoping to get that for my birthday next next month. So, fingers crossed, my family. Oh, when's your birthday? Oh, uh, this month, the twentieth. I I said next month, but it's actually this month, February twentieth. Rock on! All right, I'll drop, drop that for you. What's that? No, I just I, I I'm plugging your birthday. There oh, you go. Done. Oh, it's okay. Over. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. February twentieth, people. It's my birthday, so wish happy wish me okay. happy birthday on the Twitter if you want. All right. So space, uh, your story. You're next. Indeed. Uh, you may have known last week that we were talking about the sun radiation storm, that big gold fireball that came from the sun. Apparently, other cosmic things are happening. An asteroid the size of a school bus was discovered probably, I don't know if it was the day of our podcast last week, but it was probably, I think, Wednesday. And it came to, it came about five times closer to Earth than the moon does. So, yeah. And what's kind of particularly strange about this is that we, the, was the, it was just discovered part. So in a matter of days, we realized, oh, crap, there's a big asteroid headed our way. And and then it actually happening on that following Friday. So, yeah, I had thought for a long time that we would have discovered these things long in advance. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we'd be able to track it on and on and on. But, yeah, it was we only realized a few days out when it would actually like when the impact or non-impact would have happened. Wow. So, yeah, it was the yeah. And it was now get this. This is another interesting in tidbit of information it was the 873rd rock detected by nasa in the last two weeks oh my god holy yeah. crap it, it's insane it, it is absolutely insane the kind of crap that is in like the cosmic universe <laughs> and yeah in, in just in, to put it in perspective for you like what happened like it the asteroid coming that close to us is a, a hair in cosmic terms like that is like you know neo dodging a bullet it is it is that close mm-hmm. it, it's amazing to me 
that we, you know, that it thing that things are, you know, it's not so unheard of that we, you know, aren't hit more often. Well, the scary part is they just found out about it. It's like, right? Norm- so. Normally, they're track. <laughs> normally, they're tracking these things for years and years and years. I would think so, but yeah, I mean, as inertia says, there it seems like there's so many of them. It's hard to keep track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And I didn't. I just didn't think that was the case, and I I was wrong. Apparently, there's quite a bit of stuff going on up there, and it's difficult to keep track of sometimes. Okay. Which I guess kind of makes sense too. Like if you you know we've talked about in previous shows where you have all of the satellites and stuff orbiting Earth. Like when you look at just the amount of junk that is around us, mm-hmm. it it really kind of boggles the mind. It's a, it boggles the mind that anything works <laughs> that needs a satellite. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I um, I'm just I'm I'm trying to read the chat room because Inertia actually has like experience in this, and she's trying to tell us things. Right. Um, she says, "Have we heard of the Zooniverse project? It's a way of identifying, classifying galaxies and other various objects." No, I have not. Have you heard about it, Paul? No, that's new to me. The Zooniverse. That sounds cool. It sounds like a made-up thing. Zooniverse. It sounds like (laughs) something made up. It sounds like a kid's thing. Like a kid's program or something. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's like Invader Zim was from the Zooniverse. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, back to that story, that really scares me. But the thing is, you know, if we miss one and it actually hits Earth, we're... There's nothing to worry about because we're all going to be dead in, you know, if not seconds, then uh, there'll be this long-lasting effect and we'll, we're dead. So there's nothing we can do about it, really, you know? No, I understand. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the, an asteroid side of – they did note that an asteroid the size of a school bus is relatively small. Like most of that would get burned up in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, but again – the possibility remains that a rather large asteroid could actually hit us to the point of not all of it being burnt up. Yeah. So, yeah. And we wouldn't, what was, again, one of the, one of the parts you already mentioned is that the time between us realizing it and us and it actually happening is relatively small, a lot smaller than I thought it was normally. All right. So, so. that does it. Uh, time travel. Robots in space. We covered it all. Uh, before we move on to our recommendations for the week, I uh, just want to let you guys know that you can listen to this show and the other shows on Galactic Netcasts via the Stitcher Smart Radio app for your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, and WebOS devices. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone or your, your device because you can, get smart ra- you can get Stitcher on other platforms. doesn't necessarily have to be a phone. You can get it on your iPod Touch. You can get it for, I believe there's a number of portable devices that aren't necessarily phone. Well, I th- you can get Stitcher on your, you know, on your tablets too. Not just on your mm-hmm. like y- iPad, uh, Galaxy Tab, whatever it's called. I'm sure that you can get mm-hmm. Stitcher for like um, the Amazon Kindle. Maybe even the mm-hmm. Barnes and Noble Nook. So uh, check it all out. Go to uh, uh, 
I sound like an idiot tonight. Stitcher.com slash Galactic Netcasts and enter the promo code Galactic Netcasts for a chance to win a $100 cash card. Again, that's Stitcher.com slash Galactic Netcasts and enter the promo code Galactic Netcasts for a chance to win some money. All right. Recommendation time. I saw a couple of movies over the weekend. One of them is okay. Real Steel, and this is a film that we talked about earlier last year when it was out. Um, mm-hmm. It is a 2011 Academy Award-nominated film starring Hugh Jackman, Dakota Goyo, and Evangeline Lilly from Lost fame. The film is based in part on the 1956 short story Steel by Richard Matheson. The movie takes place in 2020 and follows Charlie Kenton, a former boxer whose sport is now dominated by robots. Actually, there's only robots in boxing in 2020, according to this story. Uh, He owns one. After his robot ambush is destroyed, Charlie finds out that his ex-girlfriend has died, and he ends up taking care of his estranged son, Max, that he hasn't seen for a very, very long time. For about three months, he takes care of him. After another of Charlie's robots is destroyed in a match, Max and Charlie find a robot named Adam buried in a junkyard. They discover that he is an obsolete Generation 2 sparring robot and also has a shadow function for following human movement. Partly due to both Max's insistence and Charlie needing money, the duo has Adam fight in an unsanctioned outdoor match, which surprisingly he wins. Max convinces Charlie to train Adam Adam's string of subsequent wins attracts the attention of a promoter who offers Adam a professional fight, which he also wins, thanks to Charlie's boxing experience, allowing him to locate the weaknesses in his opponent. Reveling in their subsequent novelty attention, Max challenges the champion, Zeus, who before the match... Hang on one second. I wrote this really weirdly. Well, he challenges the champion... (laughs) to a fight, and that's all I'm going to say about this movie. You'll have to okay. watch it to find out what happens on Real Steel. Okay. So I, I have a question. Yes. And I was curious, and I didn't, it, wasn't clear for, it wasn't clear to me what, uh, what the case was from the trailers. So was Adam, is he sentient, or was he just mimicking what other people did? Like, what, did he have any consciousness at all? Yeah, we had talked about this, and we questioned this. In the movie, it's pretty much it's pretty much uh, revealed that these robots aren't sentient. But there is one scene where Adam sees himself in a mirror, which makes you question whether he is sentient. Was it in? Was that scene intended to be sort of ambiguous? Like, well, not ambiguous, but was intended to kind of make you? Was it intended to ask? Those kind of questions, like yeah. whether he actually realizes himself. Yeah, definitely. And um, cool. It it's it's a very touching movie. I liked it a lot. Um, the I two- heard it was a lot better than people gave it credit for. Like, it was, well, rather than people were expecting. Like, people are expecting kind of a trash heap, but it actually has you know it actually has a, a good heart. Yeah, story was great. The, the the effects, the visual effects were awesome. I mean, they were nominated for an Academy Award. They were that good. Um, the soundtrack mm-hmm. was, 
for some reason, dominated by Eminem songs. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> well, because it's just, it's, you know, it's popular. That's it. it. Yeah, it's that type. It's that type of music, the kind of music that you, you yeah. want to listen to or you want to have at your at during a fighting movie. And one of the cool sure. one of the cool aspects of the movie was uh, the kid Max trains not, doesn't train, but uh, Adam has this shadowing the shadowing feature. So Max goes out before their fight and starts dancing, and Adam dances with him, and that's kind of their shtick. That's that's kind of how they got. Okay. popular on the circuit was not only from them from Adam winning when people thought he couldn't fight but also because of Max and Adam dancing before their fight so I highly recommend it go see it or go pick it up this weekend it is called Real Steel the only thing that bothered me really was Charlie and Max it seems like these names have been used for characters in movies a lot if you know what I mean yeah, I hear you. I do. There are very few action star Pulse, for example. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't roll very well. <laughs> yeah, Max, Charlie, Nick. You know, these. I wish they were, they'd get a little bit more original when it comes to naming characters in shows. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I could say a lot about that, but I'm not going <laughs> to. All right. We'll just leave it at that then. Okay, what's your recommendation, Paul? Uh, we've all seen it. We've all love it. It is the Matrix. I uh, I caught this on television just the other day, and I'm like, I, I just kind of re-realized. I'm like, you know what? This is a really, really good movie. And uh, there's so many. It's so layered and so just wonderfully brilliant. And I'm talking about the film now, just in case anyone was curious. But yeah, I recommend the Matrix. Lots of robots. Lots of lots of good times. I truly appreciate this movie. Okay, and, uh, before yeah. you, before you continue, continue, Paul, you're going to be shocked when I say this to you. I've only seen The Matrix one time, and I've never seen the sequels. Really? Yes. Oh, interesting. Okay. Am I all li- right, all right. This is going to be a fun experiment. Okay. So, this is what's... <laughs> Lay it on me. Um, all right. So you have seen the first one once. Is that what I heard? When, did you see it in the theater? I think I did, or I saw it on home video shortly after it came out. Like when, I mean, shortly after it was available on home, home media, home video. Okay. All right. Then I will, I will refrain for the moment in talking about the sequels because this is what, this is what should happen. First, rewatch the original. Okay. I would love for you, I would love for you to rewatch that in any method that you see fit, television, video, whatever, and then we will return to the subject <laughs> after you've seen the second one, and we will we will we will analyze and we will discuss, and then we are going to do so with the third, and analyze and discuss, and I would love to get Mr. Dave Nelson's feedback. That is that is my challenge to you, sir. Okay, so this one, is one. I, I don't want you to just watch. I don't want you to just watch the sequel because if you have only seen the first one once, then I want you to be reminded of how the original one was. Okay. So, yeah. So that, I, that's my assignment. That is that is my opinion. I think that's I think that's a good assignment. Okay, so I'm gonna go watch the Matrix and all the Matrix, and then we'll talk about it. Matrix, matrices. 
and yeah, and then we'll I'll I'll watch the follow up, <laughs> the sequels, and then we'll continue the discussion there. So, all right. So without, is there anything, any particular aspects to the film that you like the most? I one one could easily make the argument of the religious subtext, and there is a lot of it. Um, I the original reveal is what really did it for me. It really did. Like the, because I, I had known nothing when I originally saw this I no one saw it coming. I didn't see it coming. No one, I mean like no one that I knew of actually could see it, could see the reveal happen. And it's, you know, it's, I think it's about halfway, but yeah, that moment when you just kind of realize what is actually happening where he is and what he's doing, it's, it, that still gets me. It's just like, it's like, holy crap, everything around me is not at all what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing. I love that part. That is my favorite part. But, yeah. See, originally, when I first saw it, like for the very first time, I thought that they were all, all of the people in those little pods were all kind of in their own reality. Like, I thought all every person was segregated into their own, like, little, um, into their own little world without having any interaction with anybody else. And then, and then you realize, no, they're all linked in together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, that, that was one of the, one of the better moments in really sci-fi movies, in my opinion. I remember that that was a big deal. And mm-hmm. going back to something I've been listening to reading the last couple of weeks, uh, Ready Player One. You're not. You haven't seen it yet, or seen it. You haven't read it or listened to it yet, right? That's correct. Okay, it's got similar characteristics because in the book, uh, the major the major part of the book the story is a virtual reality world that that people, mm-hmm. but they can go in and out. That's that's a that's the difference between Ready Player One and the matrix series of movies they're they're the in the, cool. in, in the matrix they're they're stuck in there right they can't they can't leave right that's correct okay For the very large majority that's true okay um and another thing that i found especially cool is that this movie allowed a vehicle to describe a lot of philosophical ideas that many people didn't had a hard time getting before like i remember in like in college, when this movie had uh, first come out, the idea there's a philosophical idea of like when you're talking about reality and how you perceive reality, there's this evil genius argument, and this is centuries old, right? But the whole evil genius argument is, is that you have no way of knowing that someone you're not actually somewhere else where somebody else who has complete control over your faculties and is just screwing with you, basically. Mm-hmm. Really, of really knowing that, and this movie offered a very understandable and relatable way to understand to for people to get that idea and go like, okay, yeah, if someone really did have all that power, they could, I could, in reality, be somewhere else completely. Mm-hmm. That that reminds me of college. Uh, uh, what's the course I'm thinking of? Damn it. <laughs> philosophy. It reminds me of philosophy. of what they taught us in philosophy class in college. Sure, there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. 
There's also a there's also a theory out there that we are actually we're living in a virtual world right now. Like what we think oh, sure. what we think is real is not real. We're just living in a like a a projected world of some kind. Sure. Yeah, it, arguments like that have existed forever. The fun thing about them is is you can't really prove or disprove them. Yep. <laughs> you can make claims like that until you're blue in the face and no one can really say anything about it. <laughs> and the more outlandish your claim is, the crazier you'll come off. So people don't usually make those kind of claims very easily. Yep, that's true. All right, before we wrap up the show and ask the question of the week, got to remind you guys that we have a way for you to help out our show. And that is by donating some money. Um, it doesn't have to be a lot. It can be a dollar. We don't care. Uh, it can be a dollar. It can go from a, a dollar to a thousand dollars. The the latter would be nice, but the dollar would be okay as well. We have the donate button uh, scattered throughout the website. So go to galacticnetcast.com, and we thank you for your support. So, indeed, are you ready for the question of the week, Paul? Totally. Hit me. All right. If you had to fight a villain from any one space-based movie, from any one space-based universe in the world of fiction, who or what would it be? You know what? I got to say the Boba Fett. Okay. I would, I, would totally, I would totally fight Boba Fett. Just because... <laughs> you're like, are you reading ahead? I think you might be. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I, I was thinking of fighting Boba Fett and why I would want to fight Boba Fett. But go ahead and answer. You use your answer. I, I want to. Uh, the reason I would fight him is because I always felt. I mean, everyone felt this way. I think is that his death scene was really anticlimactic. It was just kind of like a blind Han Solo happens to hit him into a pit where he dies. It's like it seems a really horrible way to go for such like I, I, I said a revered bounty hunter. I don't know that it I would call him notorious yeah. or, you know, something like that. Just he's such a you know, he was portrayed and especially if you read even more fiction about him, he was portrayed as such an ultimate badass. It's like, okay, yeah, but he also just randomly got hit into a pit where he died. And that's the end of it. That's it. You're done. It wasn't. It was not an honorable way to die. That's for sure. Um, no. So how would you fight? How would you fight Boba Fett? If you had, if you were in that universe, if you had, if you had to fight Boba Fett, how would you do it? If well, if I had my druthers, I would say if I, I definitely with a lightsaber would be first choice. Um, and but if I had to go the Han Solo blaster route, I'd do that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, first choice is always a lightsaber. I ran into this with the Star Wars: The Old Republic. I'm like, you know, as as cool as I think some of these other classes are, I want a lightsaber. It you know, it's funny you mentioned Han Solo. Have you ever noticed that uh-huh. Harrison Ford always, not always, but a lot of times, he'll get the bad guy by accidental ways, like like he just happened to fling Boba Fett. You know, knock him off out of the air and into the pit, uh-huh. and like on Indiana Jones, he couldn't get his gun out. Or how'd that scene go? He couldn't get his gun out of his holster. Holster, so he no, he tried to get his whip out You're of mixing his, it up. Yeah, 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 I'm mixing it up. No, he, he tried to get his whole no, 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 his, his whip right. All right, 
before the nerd community completely rages on Dave. Here, let me clarify this. Step one, <laughs> and I'm making I'm making him feel bad about it. So, I'm sorry. No, step one was this was interaction he had in the market with that one guy who was twirling his sword about. You know, he put it, busts out his sword. He's saying pretty much, you know, he portraying he's the ultimate badass. And Harrison Ford jokingly says, why don't I just take out my gun and shoot him? And ultimately, that became the scene that everybody loved. Now, in Temple of Doom, you had a similar scene where you had, again, a guy come up, brandish a sword, and him reach for the gun. But the gun didn't exist because he had lost it earlier. This was in Temple of Doom. So then he ran away. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna regain I'm gonna regain my my geek cred, okay? By <laughs> by telling you in that the first instance where he was trying to get his whip and he shot him with the gun, mm-hmm. Harrison Ford was uh-huh. really sick that day. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons they did it that way, because he was too sick to to mess with his whip. So they just he just pulled out the gun. Well you can see it on his face. Oh yeah. You watch, you watch that scene and you tell and you then you say yeah Harrison Ford was sick that day you're like oh yeah I totally believe that. <laughs> yeah. He does not look good. No, not at all. He looks he looks exhausted. Yeah. All right, so my answer is How about you sir? Yes. Villain. Go. The, the villain that I would like to fight in any fictional space-based universe would be the Empire. So we we both have Star Wars answers, which is awesome. Okay. All right. I was thinking about and I, this is this was my original. So you'd want to do, so you'd just want to fight the empire. You'd want to be part of the rebellion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about my answer today, though. I think my second answer would be, as a member of the, um, the the colonies in Battlestar Galactica, just so I can fly out of the tubes from from the uh, the battle the battle stars. You know, either the original series or the remake, you know, those tubes that they launch out of. I love that. Okay. But then I want to, but but, but I really want to stick to my original answer. And the reason that I want to fight the Empire is so I can fly an X Wing fighter. And use a noble goal. Yes. And use sabers and blasters. I I like the blasters almost as much as, as lightsabers. Okay. They're almost at equal footing with me. Have you seen the um, pre-rendered scenes from the Old Republic, the Star Wars game? No. Uh-uh. Even if you're not a gamer, you should. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly. They, they're they really well done. And it will make you love Star Wars even more than you already do. Like, just because there's so many great choreographed scenes and uh-huh. just, like, it's amazing. So, yeah, you should look into that. That's well, I- another recommendation. I'll have that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've seen well, I've seen the trailers for the game, so I've I've seen the I've, the, on, I've seen the lightsaber on television. Yeah, I've I've seen on television. Yeah, on television or my computer, um, both. Um, so I've seen I've seen the well, fighting the scenes. That, Go ahead. The point was that you have the that you it's the, those aren't thirty second trailers. They're like two minutes each, and there's like I think four of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. I will do that. After we're done tonight, I'm going to go online and do some more watching of gameplay from Star Wars yeah. The Old Republic. I promise. I promise. Uh, no, no, no. Not, not gameplay. Oh, no, no, sir. 
I'll, I'll gamers stop yelling at Dave. I will show him exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know. I'm not a gamer, <laughs> so you can't. Don't accuse me of anything, Dave. Listeners, Dave. These are these are pre-rendered scenes. That is not gameplay. Okay. All right. It's totally different. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, right, I'm done. Before I get any into any more trouble, let's continue here. Um, if you have a question, if you if you have the answer to the question of the week, you can leave it in the blog comment section of this episode at galacticnetcast.com. You can also leave it by um, calling our voicemail number, 805-328-3966, or email us at galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. We have feedback, Paul. Oh, sweet. I like feedback. People Most like us. Time? People love us. I oh. think. I hope. Oh, that's good. We haven't read it yet, so maybe they don't. Um, all right. So this is from an email. This is from uh, galacticnetcast at gmail.com. It's from Crazy Dan. He says, hi, guys. Just wanted to give you some feedback. Firstly, I love the show, and he capitalized the whole thing. I love the show. So thank you very much, Crazy Dan. Just perfect. Glad to hear it. Uh, He says, just perfect in its content and length. What could be better than time travel, robotics, and space news? Totally sweet. Anyway, the only only criticism I have is that Paul is always very quiet. It's either his mic or his voice, but either way, turn up the recording volume for Paul, please. This is something that we are definitely working on. And uh, you have to realize, too, that... um, I'm recording locally from my computer, so I'm always going to sound louder because I'm not, I'm not getting out. My audio isn't going over the internet. Paul's audio is, so he's always going to be just a little bit weaker, and he breaks up once in a while. So you uh, break up once in a while. <laughs> well, from your perspective, <laughs> I, from your perspective, I do, but not from my perspective. I'm crystal clear. All right. So um, I listened to the podcast while in the car, so there's already some noise in the background. But even if there wasn't, the difference between Dave's volume and Paul's is pretty big. Again, we're working on this. I promise. We'll be better in the future. Um, I make sure to tell everyone I know about this podcast because it's just so awesome in its topics. So please keep doing it. Thank you very much, Crazy Dan. Thanks, Crazy Dan. I appreciate it. And I apologize. I totally blame Dave. My voice is awesome. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> Dave can't record. I don't know. No, we're, we are actually working on it. And you. yeah, we kind of, yeah, he's right. It always is like, it always is. The, the receiving end is always a bit softer than the one who's actually on the recording side. And you, Mr. Cocky Man, you are just a uh, smart ass tonight. I don't know what? if I like that or not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, I'll I'll shut up. I apologize. All right, shut up during a podcast. <laughs> so yeah, that'd, that'd make for a great show. Just me talking, asking for answers from you, and not getting anything. Like now, he's shaking his head. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of. The Time Traveling Robots in Space. Thank you for joining us. Before we leave, do you want to say anything more, Paul? Come on. You want to say something. Okay. Yeah. You guys are awesome. That's it. All right. Talk to you next week. This has been a presentation of Galactic Netcasts. To subscribe to this and our other podcasts, go to galacticnetcasts.com.